Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. If you have your Bibles there, or maybe you're using the YouVersion app on your tablet or smartphone, uh, I invite you to uh, turn to Mark chapter 4. Stick a finger in there and uh, maybe put a finger in Psalm 77 as well because we'll get to that a little bit later. Hebrews 11 starts by saying, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. And as we've talked about last couple of weeks, Hebrews 11 goes on to provide these great illustrations of incredible people um, who had faith in God for what they could not see in front of them, for Abraham and Moses and Rahab um, and David and Samuel and the prophets and the teachers and the leaders. Except for Joshua. Joshua doesn't rate a mention. But what he did is mentioned. I realise that reading back over the Hebrews 11 um, over the last couple of weeks, what he did in terms of bringing down the walls of Jericho as he led the people around the city walls for seven days, that is mentioned. So it's not what he, who he is. It's not that he, he rates a mention in Hebrews 11. It's what he does that has the lasting impact. That would be the same for everybody mentioned in Hebrews 11, but I find it interesting that Joshua is not mentioned by name. But his lasting legacy is the triumph and the victory that he led the people in. We continue this series of Remember When to remember not only the personal history that we have with God, but also God's history with all of creation. Because sometimes in our own quagmire, our own hardship, our own shortcomings, our own failings, it can be hard to remember when Things were going well. Remember when God did provide. Remember when God did what he said he would do. But we have an opportunity, an invitation. We're encouraged to remember when God did incredible things, when God moved the waters for his nation to cross the Red Sea, when God provided food in the desert, when God made a way where there seemed to be no way, when God sent his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Because in the midst of the calamity of life, whatever that might look like, it can be real easy to forget the things that we kind of hold on to and treat as special, that we treat as normal or usual. I remember a mate of mine a few years ago, uh, quite, I don't know, be more than a decade ago when we were back in Adelaide. Uh, and my friend, he was preaching at one point and he went to quote John 3.16. Now, if you've been a Christian for five minutes, even if you're not a Christian, most people seem to know John 3.16. It gets plastered sports um, programs and and different rallies around the place Um, and John 3.16. But he came to this point to quote John 3.16 and nothing. He completely blanked. And 
the crazy thing is he, he preached that message three times in the day and every time he got to John 3.16, he just went blank. Like he, he, he knew what happened in the first time, so he was ready for it the second time and he got to it, nothing. And then he thought in the third one, and he talked about it, he joked about it, oh, I forgot it in the first couple, so, but not this time. John 3.16, nothing. For God so loved the world. That he sent his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him will never perish but have everlasting life. But for my friend in that moment, something so basic, something so natural for him to recite such a well-known verse just left him. And we probably all have moments. I don't know about you, but I have moments like that, that in the heat of the moment, under pressure, under stress, when things aren't going as well as they could be or should be or as I'd want them to be, what I would consider to be natural or normal or usual sometimes just leaves and it's not there in my memory recall and I struggle to remember it. We have this incredible um, encounter with the disciples and with Jesus as they are crossing the Sea of Galilee in a boat, in Mark chapter 4, if you want to turn there, if you haven't already. So Jesus and the disciples have been together for some time. And they're on a boat. Well, the story starts, Mark 4, chapter 35, and let's read it through um, and go through it together. Mark 4, 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. So I want to read this through and pause at a couple of different times and just highlight some different things and what we can learn from the disciples, what we can learn from Jesus, what we can learn about Jesus in this story. He said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. This is Jesus actually invites his disciples into this situation. They don't know what is to come. And we draw the conclusion... If you don't know the story, there's going to be a massive storm. The disciples are going to panic and Jesus saves the day. And not without a little learning for the disciples to go along with it. But Jesus here is the one that instigates the trip. He says, boys, let's go. In the boat, we're going to cross the sea. Let's go over to the other side. And they took him along just as he was. So I love this about Jesus. Jesus invites his disciples, Jesus invites us on a journey, on, on whatever it might be. It might be an experience. It might be um, to pray, to go with Jesus, to pray for somebody in the street. Or it might be a multi-year commitment to serve him in a mission field somewhere. And Jesus says, come on, let's go. Let's do this together. And there's a bit of a, a, a cliche, I, I don't can't remember where it came from when I learned it. But it's basically where God leads, God provides. And so Jesus leads the disciples onto this trip and says, all right, let's go. Saying, I will go with you on this trip. Yet the disciples don't hold on to that. They don't remember that when they get to the moment of panic. I love the bit that says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was. You know, Jesus didn't have to ready himself. Jesus was, is always ready, just as he was, just there, Jesus goes. Jesus is good to go. 
And sometimes we're the ones that are lacking. Sometimes we're the ones that are a little bit slow to get up to speed with what Jesus is doing, what Jesus is thinking, and to get in step with him. But Jesus and the disciples, they begin this journey together. There were other boats there with them on the sea. Verse 37, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. (laughs) Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? I, I, I love Jesus. I love that Jesus is in the boat. This isn't a long journey. So the Sea of Galilee, it's 21 kilometers long and about 13 kilometers wide. To give you some idea of comparison, Lake Highland Marsh is about the same length. It's about 21 k's long. Um, but Lake Highland Marsh is about 7 k's wide, so it's about half the width of the Sea of Galilee. It's not massive in its surface area, but it is deep. It's actually the lowest freshwater sea on Earth. It's below sea level and it's surrounded by some mountains. So what happens is that the winds will whip down the side of the mountains and whip up a storm um, without notice. So they well could have set off on their journey without any sense that a storm was coming. And then they're hit in this squall. A furious squall comes up and the waves broke over the boat. And because uh, the lake is so, the sea is so deep, the waves can actually get real big very quickly. And so they were in a bit of a panic. Um, and they wake Jesus up, asking him, don't you care if we drown? Now, I didn't realise this. I didn't think about this. It didn't occur to me until I was reading this in the last couple of weeks. Jesus has 12 disciples that he has invited to go along with him. Now, out of those 12, we know that there are three in the inner sanctum. There's Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John were all fishermen. All right? So at least 25%, maybe Peter's brother Andrew was a fisherman as well, but at least 25% of the disciples are fishermen. 25% work on boats the whole time. 25% are used to being on this sea fishing whatever the conditions might have been. Yet in this moment, even those experienced fishermen lose it and turn to their teacher, their rabbi, sleeping in the corner of the boat and say, don't you care if we drown? This is one of those moments where even the experienced fishermen just get all panicked about what is happening around them get all confused by the storm that has come upon them and turn to the one that's asleep and say, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care? As Narelle opened the call to worship this morning and she invited every single one of us, no matter where we might be in our relationship with God, we might feel super close to him in the moment, or we might feel really disconnected. And maybe you're at one of those polar opposites, or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. But I read this and I had the sense, I had a heavy heart this week for people that are finding it really hard or struggling, maybe because of coronavirus, or maybe because of something that's happened because of coronavirus, or maybe just life in general. 
and we feel like we're crying out to Jesus. Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, don't you care that my kids don't know you? Jesus, don't you care that I've lost my job? Jesus, don't you care that my income's gone down? Jesus, don't you care that business is failing? Jesus, don't you care that we can't get together as a church? Jesus, why are you sleeping in the midst of this season? Don't you care that we're drowning in the midst of this calamity? Here's Jesus' response. Jesus got up. He rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves and said, Quiet, be still. And it was completely calm. See, Jesus isn't asleep. Scripture tells us that Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding on our behalf. I don't know what Jesus was doing while he was sleeping. I wonder what he was dreaming about. I wonder what he was thinking. But we know that for you and I, as children of God, he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. So no matter whatever the storm might look like, whatever the calamity might be that we're in the middle of, whatever lack of peace we're struggling with, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is not worried or afraid, or distant, or aloof, or removed. Because he does care. He does care. And he's the one that has the peace. And in this situation, he gets up and he has a conversation with the disciples. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid, disciples? Do you not have faith of the one that you're with? Why are you so afraid? Do you not have the authority that I have given you? Why are you so afraid when you've seen what I've done, what I've said, what we've already been through together? They've witnessed the miracles that Jesus has performed. They've heard him teaching to the crowds and to them alone as a group. They've seen his wonders. They've seen his miracles. They've seen the healings. And in this moment, they have no faith. They have no faith. The astounding thing is, if we go back to Psalm uh, 77, as Simon shared with us. I was reading this again. So this is a psalm that David writes in the midst of his crying out to God for help. How's this for a similar situation? Here's David, thousands of years before the disciples and Jesus are on this boat. Uh, Psalm 77 verse 1, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and my soul refused to be comforted. Could that not be the words that were on the lips of the disciples in that moment? Obviously not the psalm that they're calling to mind right there and then on the boat. But I love this verse 16. It says, the waters... The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The skies resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. So David's recalling the time that God parts the waters for the nation of Israel to move through on dry land. 
He wasn't there to remember that. That's hundreds of years before he's around. But here is a psalm that some of the guys on that boat would have known. And most, if not all of them, would know the story of God leading his people across the Red Sea towards the Promised Land. They would know the story of Joshua leading the people across the Jordan and how the priests stood in the middle as the people passed over again on dry land. These guys would know these stories. They would know the history that God has with his people. Yet in that moment, all of that is out the window because the storm around them is so big, so overwhelming, so all-encompassing, they can't remember any of it. They can't remember any of it. And there in the boat with them is Jesus, Messiah, Saviour of the world. Sure, they don't know any of that at that moment, but they've seen what he's done. They know who he is. They're catching glimpses of what he is. But again, all of that just disappears as they're overwhelmed by the fear that envelops them. It's a scary place to be when the things of this world get so overwhelming that we're worried that the saviour of the world doesn't even care about us. Brian Johnson um, wrote a book, When God Becomes Real, and he went through some big anxiety issues and, and battled through that for months on end. And one of his lines, one of the things that he remembers, or one of the things that he learned through that season was to consider it a gift when God is your only option. Consider it a gift when God is your only option. The disciples, in their panic, in their fear, they felt like even the only option they had was the guy that's asleep on the boat, who's actually perfectly calm and peaceful about the whole situation. Not worried, not afraid, not fearful. So I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, okay, what does it actually look like in the midst of whatever the storm of life might be for me? I'm not on a boat, but what lesson can I learn from these disciples traveling with Jesus in this moment, in this time? When the things of this world, whatever it might look like, seem completely overwhelming, seem hopeless. What does it look like for me to not turn and question the saviour of the world? But to actually look to him and go, Jesus looks peaceful. Jesus isn't worried. Jesus is not afraid. So if Jesus, Saviour of the world, the Prince of Peace, is not worried or afraid, then why should I be? Now, I really think this is something that we learn. I, I, some people seem to have the gift of just peace, whatever happens, no matter when, no matter how, no matter what. But I think it's something that we can actually learn and grow in. And maybe something that we declare no matter what the situation. That we remember the times that Jesus has been with us. We remember the stories of what God has done in the past and we recall those 
maybe in the good times when things are going well, definitely in the good times when things are going well, so that we develop almost a muscle memory in our faith to hold on to, so that when calamity strikes, when things don't go well, because we know that they don't always, maybe they aren't right now for you, when things aren't going well, our, our instant reaction, our response isn't to get up in fear and say, Jesus, what are you doing? Why are you asleep? Why are you ignoring this? Where are you? What are you doing? What are you going to do? Don't you care about me right now? But to actually say, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, you're not worried. I'm not going to be worried. So maybe the calamity, maybe the storm in your life is the marriage isn't great. Maybe the storm in your life is your finances have taken a dive. Maybe the storm in your life is you're really struggling with anxiety or depression, just your mental well-being in general. And you wonder, when is the Prince of Peace going to wake up? And does he really care? The invitation from Jesus is to come to him, all who are weary, and he will give us rest. See, I wonder what would have happened if the disciples acted out of the authority that they had as disciples of Jesus. If one of them would have stood up and said, Lads, I've got this. And said, wind, waves, be still. I don't know, but I feel like this is the lesson that we have to learn from this encounter between Jesus and the disciples. To exercise our authority that Jesus has given us to walk in the power that we have because of his life and death and resurrection, because we are his brothers and sisters, because we have been purchased by his blood on the cross. To actually exercise this authority and to whatever the calamity, whatever the storm might be in our lives, to take authority over it and say, storm, you will not have a place. I will not be afraid. I will not be fearful. And maybe the storm continues, whatever that might look like for you, whatever that might look like for your family. But for you, in this moment, you say, I am going to choose peace. I'm going to operate from a place of peace. Thinking about it now, and I think, you know, what, how, what does this look like? Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. I think he was in prison at the time. He writes to the church at Philippi and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. In every situation, give thanks. No matter what happens, whatever might happen, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. And you will receive peace that transcends all understanding. It, it, it defies human logic. 
It doesn't seem to be the way that we want to respond in these moments, but one step at a time, one day at a time, one choice at a time to say, I see the storm around me, but I choose to give thanks. I see the calamity that I'm in the middle of, but I choose to walk and think and speak with peace. And to not get caught up, to not be afraid of whatever might happen, but choose to walk with the Prince of Peace, to give thanks, to rejoice always, knowing that I will receive peace that surpasses understanding. Maybe you are watching this. Maybe this is the first time you've heard about the Prince of Peace. You've heard about the disciples and Jesus and you've heard some of these crazy stories and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you, you've said yes to Jesus a long time ago, but you've just drifted away and haven't really maintained your commitment to follow him and to walk in step with him. Then this is the day that you can respond, that you can draw near to God, leaning on his promise that he will draw near to you. And so, Father, for each person that's watching this that might have drifted away from you, might not be as close to you as they have been in the past, or they've never said yes to you being Lord and Saviour of their lives, I pray that they would encounter you in this moment, Lord, that they would know you like never before, that they would hear your invitation to draw near, to lean on you, to trust in you, that whatever their situation might be, that they would say yes to you, that they would surrender their life to you and they would acknowledge you as Lord and Saviour of their life. Mm. Thank you, Lord, that you are moving in people's hearts, spirits and souls in this moment, inviting them near. Beautiful people, I bless you to think on these things, to rejoice no matter what it is, whatever season you're in, to take it to the Lord and say, look at the storm that I'm in. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I'm worried that I'm going to drown. Rejoice and give thanks because Jesus is right there with you and with me every step of the way. And he is not afraid. And may you know what it is to discover the peace that transcends all understanding. And may the peace of God be with you today and every day.